0: Well, hello again, awesomers. Guess what? It's me. It's your old buddy, Steve Simonson. And I'm here for you today. Uh, I really love entrepreneurs. And I, frankly, I love anybody who is awesomer. Whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a leader in an entrepreneurial-based business, I am so pleased to rub elbows with somebody so cool like you. Uh, it really warms my heart uh, to, to just have the life that I have and be able to hang out with really cool people all over the world. And so, you know, although I say I love entrepreneurs, it's true. I do love entrepreneurs. Anybody who thinks with an entrepreneurial mind or helps run an entrepreneurial business at any level, uh, you're part of that core of goodness, the gooey goodness core uh, that I really do love. So thank you for being awesomer. Uh, listen, everybody, we're in the heart of the Founder Foundation's mini series, which is 31 days of blueprint technology just for you on how to get your, your business organized and your training system set up for your, the benefit of yourself and your team. Now, today we are getting into what I think is um, a more fun topic. We're still in the financial level setting um, aspect. So we've, we've done marketing and we've done big picture stuff. Now we're doing finance and we've got, you know, a couple more modules, including today's that we're going to talk about. Today is about control levers, systemization 101. Now, what's a control lever? Everyone might wonder. Uh, there are different control levels, levers for different parts of the business, but we're going to focus on financial control levers uh, since we're in that uh, module. And so I want you guys to think about finance as a function and the types of things that you might manage or try to control in finance. We've already discussed financial statements and the process related, but there are many parts of the financial statement that we, or at least outside of the financial statement process that exist that we haven't gone into any great depth on. Now, a little um, forewarning. We're not doing the tactical deep dive on this stuff. We're doing the top layer, uh, you know, oversight and overview. So as an example, we have not discussed an accounts payable uh, report. We have not discussed an accounts receivable report. Uh, We haven't discussed a, you know, purchase ordering report that might be, you know, pending purchase orders that need to be approved. Uh, We haven't talked about, some of the controls that relate to any of those, should they exist in your business. Now, I know that I have different listeners from different segments of the market. And to be honest with you, the more I hear from you guys about the types of business you're in, the more that I try to find examples that would apply to some of your businesses from time to time. So I've talked about service providers. I've talked a little bit about manufacturing, a lot about Amazon FBA, private label sellers and e-commerce Shopify sellers and uh, Magento and WooCommerce, you know, your own shop shopping site, uh, your own website, shopping platform, sellers. Uh, and if you happen to have a business that you think that deserves some attention, don't hesitate to leave that in the comments. Uh, and heck, you can just leave it included as part of your five-star review. And that'll really draw my attention to it. So what's the point I'm trying to get to? A, a control system is based on, you know, some sort of Uh, output, right, some sort of report, and then some sort of action to make sure that that is acted upon. So uh, as an example, you're making some sales, and ideally, you're getting paid by those sales. But you may not know if you're getting the sales report correct. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, For the sake of discussion, we'll start with a service provider example. Let's say that you are sending a bill to your customers, and let's say you're following my uh, subtle advice of billing them in advance of the month. Don't. um, I I have had experiences. This is going to be a little rant, everybody, so buckle up. In the olden days, I had a service-based business. um, Actually, it was product and service combined. So in the late 80s, early 90s, I would did things like carpet cleaning, and then we got into home restoration, and we had a flooring store. And part of the the business model at the time, we were told, is you would collect, well, either you bill them at the end of the job, uh, or you would collect 50% down and then collect 50% upon completion of the job. Now, the the nuance there, everybody, is that I wasn't the one out there doing the work, um, you know, we would hire subcontractors to go do the job. So if we had more than one job going on the day, and as we grew, we had many jobs, sometimes dozens of jobs going on, on a day. And there's no way in the world I could drive to all those jobs and get the money. And so we often would ask the, the subcontractor to pick up the check from the customer. Now, sometimes this would work and sometimes it wouldn't. And the times that it wouldn't, you know, the contractor came back, said, hey, the guy left. Um, I was done. I left too. Sorry, I didn't get the check. And I'm not trying to dive in on the, the super details here, everybody, but I'm giving you a frame of reference. So for whatever reason, we had to bill that customer. And boy, when that customer would ignore that bill and time would go by and I would see it on my accounts receivable, 30 days, now 60 days. And then I would call them and I would say, hey, listen, you owe, you know, $4,500. We were done with this thing two months ago. What's going on? And this is the point, by the way, where suddenly everybody's a a real critic. And it's like, well, I got a problem with the job you did, right? It's like, why didn't you call me for the last 60 days and tell me you had a problem? You're only telling me about a problem now when I'm asking for the money. And you can tell by the the pace of my conversation and the urgency of my voice, like this was visceral. This was real. Like we needed that money to pay people, right? We needed that money to pay the rent for the building we were occupying. We need that money to to buy gas for the vehicles, to pick up the products and, and so on and so forth. This was not a giant business. You know, it, it grew to be one of the larger um foreign companies in America, uh, certainly in one of the, the particular niches we were in. But that still was, you know, under a $5 million business. Um, My whole point is the money mattered. So when somebody would either start arbitrarily deciding they had problems with the job um, and require me to go out and, you know, kind of argue about this or that, it was a real pain. I hated it. it. It took the joy out of owning my own business like you cannot believe. I hated it. I often thought of that business like being in... Uh, a mine, you know, uh, the old movie, October Sky, where the, the guys walk around and they can't hold their head up Their Their head is kind of always being beat down because, they, you know, there's only four and a half feet of clearance or five feet of clearance in these mining caves. And and that's how I felt in that business. And I, I didn't want to work in a mine. I wanted to launch rocket ships. And so by the mid to late nineties, that's when I got into e-commerce and boy, I'm sure glad I did. The the other final little part of this tirade I'll leave you with everybody is that I hated it when people would go on vacation with my money, and I would call them and they're like, you know, I would I would come down, but I'm family and I're just about to leave for vacation. We'll be back in two weeks. I'll come in and pay you. Sorry about that. And uh, sure enough, eventually they would come in and pay. Not not everybody paid. I've had people that you know, either went bankrupt or you know screwed me out of the money. But my whole point here, everybody, is to avoid aggravation is to have a really clear control process for your accounts receivable. So in a service-based business model, let's say you're a service provider, you're providing monthly services, you should bill those in advance, you know, some period of time, a reasonable period of time in advance. Let's say 15 days before the next month, and they should pay you before that month begins. If they don't, you should immediately bring it up and say, "Hey, gosh, Steve, I noticed that uh, we hadn't received your invoice yet. Uh, Is there uh, anything I can do for you? Or is that stuck in your accounts payable? What's happening? How do we resolve that? Because we can't proceed with services until that's paid. And so you just, that's part of your control process is that you, you make these proclamations about, hey, here's how it works here. We don't do work without getting paid in advance. Now, obviously, your customer has to trust that you're not going to just disappear with the money. That's a big part of that brand identity and, and some of the things we talked about earlier on in the marketing, that they can trust that you're not going to simply disappear with their money. Um, technically, by the way, if they prepay that money, it probably should be a deposit against you know that future work being delivered at the end of that month or what whatever the case is. This is another part of the control system. So my whole point is, if you have an order that's out out there, but you didn't receive the money, if you don't have a good control system, you don't know that that money never came in. Or perhaps you got a deposit and you thought it was that person paying you, but it wasn't. It was somebody else, some new customer that you're now ignoring. The lack of controls, whether it's in accounts receivable um, or accounts payable, all, all of these same lessons and examples could apply to accounts payable. If you're not paying your supplier, let's say you've got a supplier to agree to, to extend you some payment terms, and then you fail to pay them on time. Gosh, listen, even if you have a good excuse, it doesn't really matter. That supplier made a deal with you. You should honor your word and you should pay them on time. And if you don't, it will count against you in relationship equity. So my, my whole point of using these examples And I'm sure that you can hear it in my voice, how sincere and how important these topics are to me. The point is that your business control system, these levers of control within your system, whether it is how you're managing your cash, whether it's how you're managing the issuance of your invoices, or the reconciliation of your automated uh, Amazon stuff, all of this stuff matters. Having a good recovery system for Amazon, as an example, If you're an Amazon seller and you use Amazon FBA uh, and just selling through that that Amazon FBA program, there's for sure errors that Amazon has created and they owe you money. And if you don't have a good control system to identify those gaps, because they're quite easy to identify with proper reporting, and then making claims to get that money back, you're leaving money on the table for no reason. Uh, In most cases... Once you've identified controls, and depending on the scale of the that particular area of your business, it may rationalize having a person, you know, maybe even a full-time person oversee a particular area, so that you make sure that all of these things are being properly managed and maintained. And I, I, I feel a little um, weird because I would love to get into much more of the levels of detail about. Your business control systems for each part of your um, company, right? So remember that. I think of a a business, you know, think of parsimony. The business operating systems at the top—that's your platform, and then you've got a a finance app, and now you've got a CRM app, and you got an HR app, and you know, you got all these different apps that that run your business. And each one of those apps should have its own control system. You know, how are you making sure you're you're paying the appropriate salaries? How often are you uh, doing some sort of audit process, all of these things are important. and they may sound terribly mundane and ridiculous to waste a bunch of time on. And you know, the truth is, when there are no problems, that's when the system is working the best. Uh, it It is a a bitter irony that when you're making all these investments and you don't have problems in the system, that means everything's going great. That you really have orchestrated the thing to a fairly well level. Um, that is also the time where you're like, maybe we don't have to make these investments anymore, and we start pulling back on some of the the process and control elements that we diligently spent time creating. And that's the wrong lesson you should take away. So whether you're managing cash or whether you're managing, you know, invoices or whether you're managing reconciliation of payments coming from Amazon. All of these things are so, so important. I would uh, minimize the amount of receivables you have. I would maximize the amount of terms that you get, right? I, I'm quite self-centered in that respect. And then try to figure out any of the documentations and the the, the source of those documents within your system. And then how those are, um, let's say, integrated with your accounting system. In our case, we want as much as much relevant data as we can to be integrated with that accounting system. We don't want to leave things that are financially impactful off of the monitoring without it becoming a burden, right? That's the delicate balance. If you turn everything into, uh, you know, we've got to measure this to manage it, but it becomes such a burden to maintain all those measures of management, you know, input points, it becomes a problem. So that's a delicate balance. And ideally your system is continuously following you and it's getting better and better and better. Um, I, I could give you a bunch of tax reasons to do this. I could give you a bunch of, you know, process reasons to do it. I'm in some ways just asking you to have a little faith. Before you have a good purchasing system, you need purchasing controls. Like who is able to approve a purchase order? Is it just the owner of the business, or is there a purchasing manager? And maybe that purchasing manager has a certain limit to how much they're allowed to source on their own or make uh, purchase orders for. And above that, they have to get permission from, you know, the next level up in finance or yourself. You know, assuming you own the business. Um, all of these types of questions have rational answers to them. And having a purchasing system and, and a workflow that says, you know what, here's the POs that I need to cut based on my forecast and based on all the info, having a weekly meeting to say, yep, here's what I think we should do and here's why, laying that out very quickly is a skill. You learning that and then you being able to teach that or having your team learn those things is, is really great because then everybody is like, they're escalating their capabilities and their skills and their, their the simple ability to articulate, here's the inventory situation. As a result of this inventory, you know, um, report, here are the POs that we're going to create. Those, those, the workflow and the approval should come very, very quick. And you know, the higher level approvals if the, the floor limit for a particular buyer is lower than the, the um proposed purchase order. So that's another example of a control system. There are many types of controls. You know, if you have your own physical warehouse, you should be doing cycle counts, not just physical inventory accounts, which um, become largely redundant if you do cycle counting right. But you do cycle counts to make sure stuff's not disappearing from a warehouse. Um, this is a little less necessary if you have a third-party warehouse, but I would argue, even with a 3PL, I would I would still do a cycle count at a minimum. Uh, there are lots of types of controls that you can put into a business, um, you know, controls for payroll, who has access to the bank accounts. All of these things are controls. So I want you guys to start thinking of what, what documents or what processes are you using to make sure that you're tracking whatever control that you wish to exert on a particular process in your business. Does that have any hooks into your current accounting system? And, and can that be the, the source of the original data? Um, are there subsequent reports that we take that data and then we kind of reconstruct it into, you know, let's say Excel or something else that we're turning in weekly or monthly for um, analysis and then decision-making? Are there any written documents or SOPs that would go along with these types of things? Uh, what training do we need to apply to our teammates that would help this thing come to life, right? This is relevant to a system. Uh, And then overall, how is this going to be monitored? On what time basis would you monitor these types of things? And then, you know, from time to time, you should come back and decide, is that effective or not? So, you know, on one side, your list of things that you need on the other side, you're like, here's all my control systems. And then just go down a checklist to make sure that you have for each of your uh, intended areas of control that you've got all the requisite uh, documentation and process controls in place. So I I hope that this is constructive and helpful to you guys. This is a, a level below financial statements, right? Financial statements are up above. This is controls. How does your business control system work? And largely, we focused on the financial elements, but there are plenty more that are outside of financials, including in marketing. You know, how is the a conversion rate going? And what are those controls and dashboards look like? I would argue you should have those daily uh, being um, collected and disseminated to the decision makers so they can see what the trend lines are. Uh, it applies in every part of your business. I won't bore you with more examples. And I, again, folks, I hope this is helpful to you. I really do. It is meaningful to me. It's really impactful when you get it right. And so that's why I'm sharing Thanks again, everybody. Appreciate you. Bye-bye.